Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. One of Dr. Matt's sayings, in fact, he, he almost kind of was the muse and the inspiration behind this message. You'll always hear Dr. Matt say, how you do anything is how you do everything. How you do anything is how you do everything. And no truth can exist by itself. Every truth has to align with God, otherwise it's not true. Because God is truth. God is truth. The Bible doesn't say that God has truth or that God possesses truth or that God can point to truth. The Bible says that God is truth. God is truth. So when we look at the, the, the Bible, you need to understand that you should find a consistent thread. A consistent thread. I remember one of the earliest paradigms that I had to undo was when I first got saved, I heard people say that God moves in mysterious ways, that, you know, God is, is sovereign, and so, you know, God is not predictable. You know, God is... He's, he's mysterious and he just does random things. So I'm like, oh, wow, okay, wow. Well, that's a little awkward. That's a little awkward. I'm following a guy who could be like, you know, random and random and reckless in my life has always gone together. Some <laughs> random purchases at the last minute. Afterwards, I'm like, why did I buy that? It doesn't even fit. <laughs> and I threw away, the, threw away the receipt or lost the receipt, tore off it, and now I can't get my money back. So... I'm not sure if I wanted to follow a God that was like random and reckless, but I knew he saved my life. And then God began to say, no, that's not true. If you'll read my word, you'll find that I'm wonderfully predictable. And you need to understand that messed with my head. I thought, no, God, no, you're not allowed to be. Like, you're, you're God. Like, you're, you're the mucho, macho, grande. You're the... And God says, no, no, you'll find that I've actually left an imprint. The Bible is really God just imprinting himself into pages so that you could get to know him, so that you can know that he turns up. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that the children of Israel knew God by his acts, but Moses knew God and knew God's ways. Acts is after, ways is before. Acts is after there are two kinds of Christians, the Christians who know what God's acts are, but then there are other Christians, they know what God's ways are. When you walk in the ways of God, when you walk in God's ways, you can be certain of a God outcome. And that's what the Bible really tries to, to, to paint. So in this church, one of the criticisms that, that we would get is that, you know, we, we preach a lot of Old Testament. Well, you know, and there are some, you know, popular preachers who say they don't even preach the Old Testament, almost like the Old Testament is like a different God. Can I just tell you, the Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you can't see the God of the Old Testament as the same as the God of the New Testament, I would just say switch out your theological lenses because the Bible teaches us, and this is a, something that's very, very true, that the, the, the New Testament is in the Old Testament concealed and the Old Testament is in the New Testament revealed. You'll find it's exactly the same God. And you'll find that the, the traces of God are incredible. And so we know that the most popular scripture around the world is John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So we, we know that. But if, if that's, it was that just a random act? Was God just kind of reckless one day and just spontaneous and decided to do something random or is that consistent with the God that we see all the way through the scriptures and I want to suggest to you that it is consistent so I'm going to share a story in just a moment um, on probably an easily overlooked story it's an easily overlooked book in the Old Testament but it captures and just preaches the God of John 3.16, it's Old Testament, but it just preaches a God whose love is so pursuant and so amazing. The inspiration for this, I, I preached it for the first time at our, our women's conference, uh, but I did have a little bit of a busted up leg because 
It was suggested for me to do the 5K, but it was okay, it was okay, you're just walking. And, and then peer pressure, they all took off running. And then a sweet lady who's a little bit older than I am comes past, she goes, oh, you're walking, pastor? And I'm like, dear God, like, I was sold a bill of goods here, so I decided, well, I'm going to run. So I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to run past all the people that told me that we're just walking this thing. So I just blew past them, and then I saw a tree, like, you know, about 500 yards ahead. I thought, I'm just going to keep sprinting until I get to the tree. That'll give me, even if I walk then, I'll still beat all these scallywags. And as I'm about halfway to the tree, I just felt this pop, pop, pop in my, in my calf muscle, because when you're 56, it's important if you're going to run, stretch. Good idea. So I couldn't, I, I felt like I couldn't do this, this message justice because I, I was limping, so I'm going to be doing it again. But the muse for this thing was at the women's conference, and I really felt, I always tried to, to pray for a, a word, and I felt God say that there are so many uh, women, especially at the women's conference, but uh, hu- human beings that do not understand their value. Your biggest battle in this life is to try to see you through heaven's lenses. Look at your life. Look at your life through heaven's eyes. It's in the Prince of Egypt. Uh, anyway, so if you can, so in 2005, we started, you know, back then it was C3, but, you know, what is now Awakened Church. And I read a story, I came across a story where there was a, a woman who loved going through thrift stores, always looking for bargains. And she was in a particular thrift store in San Bernardino, 2005, same time we started this church, and kind of behind some pictures and portraits, and paint, there was a, a painting. It was just like a canvas with kind of random paint colors splattered all over it. And it had a $5 kind of tag on it. So she took it, she bought it. She thought, this would look fantastic in my friend's house. My friend's got this really plain house with plain walls. This will look great on my friend's walls. So she bought it for a friend, gave it to a friend, and a friend said, I don't, I don't like it. It's ugly. And not only do I not like it, it's too big. It's five feet you know, by four and a half feet, it doesn't, doesn't fit on the wall. So she gave it back. And so the woman took it home and thought, yeah, she's right, it's ugly. So she put it in her garage, true story, and she was going to have a garage sale. Well, her neighbor came over to uh, help with the garage sale, see if she needed any help. And he just happened to be not only an art teacher, but a passionate art student. And when he saw the painting, he says, what are you doing with that? She goes, oh, you know, I bought it at a thrift store. I'm just going to hock it off. He goes, hang on, whoa, whoa, whoa. He says, that? You bought that at a thrift store? He goes, do you, do you know what that is? She says, painting? He says, that's a Jackson Pollock. She said, what the blank is a Jackson Pollock? <laughs> he said, honey, like he's one of the most prolific artists. Like this is, so she has it valued and the value comes back at $50 million. She bought it for $5 million. But its actual value was, sorry, she bought it for $5, but its actual value was $50 million. I mean, even $5 million to $50 million, I'd spend $5 million to get $50. Dear Jesus, it was five bucks, $50 million. And then, then, then it was like the word of the Lord began to come to me. And he said, the thrift store is the spirit of this world. Now, I just, I just want to give you something to take home today. Whenever you hear the words or whenever you read them in the scripture, the spirit of this world, it's not neutral. The spirit of this world is is not an umpire that's neutral. The spirit of this world is the spirit of the devil. When you read the spirit of this world, it is not the spirit of God. It is the spirit of the evil one. The thrift store is the spirit of this world, and the $5 sticker is the spirit of this world trying to not just revalue you, but devalue you. Your greatest battle in the spirit of this world, in the fallen culture, Jesus' commentary on, on his time in Israel, his time walking in the flesh, if that's God, just tell him I'm busy. <laughs> tell him I'll call him right back. I'll call him right back, I promise. He's probably reminding me, Jurgs, get to your point. Get to your point. I know, I know. Because I rarely finish my points. I know, I'm get, I'm, Lord, I'm get, I promise I'm getting to it. I promise I'm getting to it. 
So, so the spirit of this world wants to revalue and it wants to devalue you. The spirit of this world is the spirit of the enemy. And it, you, you see this battle because hate, and you'll always see hate, hate depreciates. When a person is hated, they never rise in value because that's appreciate. Love appreciates. Love appreciates. Hate depreciates. So we have a spirit of hate. It, always, it, never, it never reveals itself as hate. In fact, it comes and it accuses everybody else of hate because it, it, it recognizes what it is and it accuses what it is. It's a projection thing. So it will say, because of your skin color, you're worth less than. The spirit of hate always devalues, always depreciates, but the spirit of God appreciates. Your greatest battle is to see yourself through, through heaven's eyes, to see yourself through God's eyes, to see how much you are really, really loved. But it's amazing because the devil will amen with you in the mistakes that you've made, the sins that you've committed. He'll... he'll, he'll Amen with you with the brokenness around about you. And he may even amen the feelings that you have on the inside of you. But there's a God who wants to rescue you, deliver you, open up your eyes. And the world may have put a $5 label. The world may have put you with, with collecting dust in a thrift store culture, but I want you to know there's a God in heaven who came to redeem. He didn't just come to rescue. He came to rescue. He came to redeem and he came to restore the Bible says. And the greatest days in this life, the greatest moments in church and the greatest moments in the kingdom are those moments where you will literally be overwhelmed with surely that can't be true. I don't feel that I'm that valuable. I don't feel that I could be that loved. I don't feel that God could have such great plans for me. I got to be honest with you. Most of the time, when a prophetic word or, or, or a word from the Lord has come to me, it, it seemed too great. I'm like, God, you must mean for that person and that person. I, I might have just got in the way of a prophetic word. It was probably because I, I don't qualify for that. I'm not good enough for that. I don't have the education. I don't have the experience. I don't have the cloud. I don't have the... So the story I want to read or illustrate for you today is the story of a woman by the name of Gomer. By the name of Gomer. I mean... If you name your daughter Goma, you're really not setting her up for a great life, are you? <laughs> Unless it's said with a French accent. Everything sounds better in French. Gomer. <laughs> Bonjour, madame. Je m'appelle Gomer. Comment tu appelles-tu? It sounds a little bit better, but, you know, even there. But there's a story where, where and this, basically, the, 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 the story is a powerful story because Gomer is a broken woman. She's caught up in prostitution and brokenness, illicit relationships, illicit affairs. And God has a son, a servant who's a prophet. And God says, I want you to go and I want you to marry this woman. And there's going to be a collision because she doesn't know how to be faithful. She is broken and she needs healing. And I'm going to take you carrying my word, carrying my anointing, carrying my spirit. And the two are going to, going to collide. The two are going to connect. And we're going to see which one wins. Whether the faithfulness and the, the pursuant grace and mercy and love of God. Or whether the broken, dysfunctional rebellion. And so the story goes like this. The Lord speaks to his servant. And he says, I want you to go and I want you to take from a broken life and a broken lifestyle, Goma. This man of God sees her, begins to court her. He knows her past. He knows her brokenness, but he pursues her. Soon he finds himself falling in love with her and she with him. She's never met anybody like him. Every other man that she's met has always tried to take something from her. She was suspicious on the first few dates, but he was always a gentleman, always kind, always would take her and romance her. He would love her and court her. And then one day he asked her, would she be his wife? She said, yes. She never thought this day would arrive. She was so caught up with her brokenness. She thought that's as good as life would ever get. Well, they fell in love and they began to court and bought a little home and all of a sudden she's pregnant 
and they're celebrating this life. They're celebrating this new life. She thought she'd left her old life behind. She's now going to give birth to a son. She brought forth a son, and she names him Jezreel. Jezreel. Isn't it an amazing thing that you can have every circumstance change? You can be loved by a man. You can have marriage and family. And yet she still brings from her past because the name Jezreel means God will remember and punish me for my past sins. Life happens and she gets pregnant again. This time it's a little girl. And she calls the little girl Lo Rohama. Lo Rohama means I am unloved. She knows that, that her husband loves her. But because of her past, because of her sins, because of her prostitution, she would be intimate with men and to cope, she would disconnect. She would go numb. That was how she was able to. And now she's in the dark. She's stumbling. She's married with a man that loves her. She's pregnant, but she can't find the switch. She doesn't know how to switch the switch to to reconnect. She doesn't know how to feel. She doesn't. She's just numb on the inside. She unloved. She gets pregnant again. And this time she brings forth another little boy. And she names him Lo Ami, not my people. She's trying to. They're they're in the marketplace and they're they're walking through the square and they're walking through. And she, she feels like, she feels like everybody's talking about her. She feels like everybody's gossiping. Look at. Gomer, the the former prostitute, oh, trying to pretend that she's now left that lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Can a leopard change its spots? Yes, we still, they may not have been saying that, but that's what she heard. And so she says, these are not my people. One day, one day her husband comes home and she's gone. She's gone back to prostitution. She's gone back to her past and he's just broken. And he thinks, what can I do? What do I do? She's gone. And then all of a sudden, God says to him, and the scripture will come up, Hosea 3, 2. He says, I want you to go. And I want you to find your bride. And I want you to redeem her for the redemption price. So he redeems her for the the price. He brings her back. And as he leads her back home. At first, they're holding hands. But then she just finds she's walking behind. She tries again. She can't believe her husband came and bought her. He had to buy her back. He had to buy her back because the brothel owner wouldn't let her off unless he received some compensation. So this man had to buy his own bride back. He brought her back, but she's still carrying the shame. She tried to go through the motions, but she feels like she's wearing a mask. She feels like it's not fake. It's not real. I can't feel. I can't respond. I'm numb. They're my children, but all I see in my children is my own brokenness. I I, I can't see how I can do this. I can't see how I can live this life. She tries. She tries. She tries. It goes on for years and years, but she can't. She just can't get there. One day, he comes home. And he can hear the kids crying as he opens the door. And he's like, like, what's going on? What's going on? And his eldest son says, Mama. Mama's gone. He runs upstairs. He's he's calling, Goma. Goma, where are you? Goma. He goes, he can smell her perfume. Her fragrance haunts him. He goes through all her clothes, all her dresses are there. He gets up and he looks, and on the bed, there's a letter. He walks over. The bed's made, the pillow. My husband, I can't do it anymore. You deserve better than me. I feel like my past, I can't escape from. I feel a prisoner. You deserve someone who loves you. You deserve someone 
who can be there for you. I don't know how to love. I don't know how to respond. I feel like I'm living a lie. This is not who I am, so I've left. Please don't come for me. Please don't look for me. I've gone far away. I don't want to be found. You deserve better. You deserve much more. Go on. The hours turn to days, the days to weeks, the weeks to months, the months to years. There's an ache. She wasn't perfect, but she was his. One day a man comes, a friend of this man of God. And he says, listen, I was doing business in another town far away. And I just need to tell you, I think, I think I saw Gomer. But I just want to bid you as your friend, do not pursue, do not. You don't want to see her like this. She's not who she used to be. You don't want to see her like that. He says, I don't care. I don't care. He takes everything he has. He gets all his silver, all his gold. He stuffs it in a satchel. He mounts his horse and he says, you stay here, I'm going. And he rides and he rides. He's looking for his bride three days, three nights. He rides through snow, through storm. He rides, he rides with one quest, with one thing, his goma. When he finally arrives at the place, there's a platform and a dais and there's an auction happening. And at this particular auction, they're, 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 they're getting rid of the prostitutes who have been around the block too many times, the older ones that the young men are no longer asking for, the lustful men, the perverted men. They don't want old flesh. They want young flesh, innocent flesh to defile. They don't want the old. She stands on the platform and the auctioneer gives a price. Who will give me this much for this this woman. Nobody, the crowd is silent. He repeats the bid. Still no one responds. Then someone yells out, I wouldn't pay anything. She looks like she's got a disease. Goma stands there, her hair matted. The once bright sparkle in her eyes gone. Her body ravaged. It certainly looks like disease. She stands there. So the auctioneer, desperate to clear the inventory, lowers the price. No one responds. He lowers the price again. Still no one responds. Goma stands there humiliated. Just then through the crowd, pushes her husband. He brings his satchel and he throws it at the auctioneers and says, I'll give you 10 times the original bid. The auctioneer says, 10 times the original bid? Are you crazy? People in the crowd began to mock. People began to laugh. The auctioneer says, you, you, you could buy three virgins for that price. He says, I don't want three virgins. I want her. She's my wife. Someone from the crowd says, wife, she's forsaken her covenants. She's broken all her wedding vows. He turns and he grabs her and he picks her up in his arms. He turns to the crowd, he says, she may have broken her vows. She may have forsaken her covenants, but I have not broken mine, and I have not forsaken my covenants. And he begins to caress her, she begins to weep. He holds her, he loves her. And as he's carrying her away, pushing through the crowd, making his way back to his horse, someone from the crowd says, who is that man? What's his name? Who, who is that man? The auctioneer yells out, who are you? What is your name? And he stops and he says, my name, Hoshia. Well, you get the translation, Yoshua, Yeshua. It means redeemer. It means, it means savior. It means Jesus. For God so loved the world, he sent his only son on a rescue mission to chase after you to chase after you in your sin, in your brokenness, in your dysfunction, in your rebellion, in all your loss, in all your devastation. When we were in our sin, the Bible says, while we were yet in our sins, Christ came and died for us. It's the love of God. It's the story of God. It's the story of the Bible woven all the way through. 
the scriptures. But today I wanna pray, pray for people. We're in a series called Nefarious, and there's a nefarious spirit. And, and the reason that church is so vital is because it's the one place, it's the one place in the week where, where the spirit of the world is not permitted entry. The only spirit that's allowed in here is the spirit of the living God. Things will awaken in you. Things will be stirred in you. Things will be revealed to you. Things will be exposed in you. Don't run from the, run into those things because that's what God does. It's what God does in this house. And so we see in the three, the three children, Jezreel, God will punish me for my sins. God will punish me for my sins. Today, I want you to come into alignment, into alignment with a God who so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son so that you could be set free from your sin. It's unbelievable. I've been a, a, a pastor for 30 something years now. And yet, if I was honest with you, the devil still says to me, oh yeah, these sins, God's forgiven, but not these ones. These, these, ones, were, these ones were intentional. Oh yeah, God doesn't forgive those. The accident, what? The accidental, I was still there. I still had to, but the devil will try to get you to believe that Jesus' death on the cross was, it was, it was good enough for these ones, but not these ones, as though somehow your sin is greater than his sacrifice, as though your sin, your rebellion is greater than his obedience. The Bible says that Jesus was obedient even to the death of the cross, crucifixion. The crown of thorns rammed into his head. I mean, gosh, I would have been tapping out there. The, the, the flogging. And I, I heard a preacher and he was right in his assessment of the Jewish laws. But Jesus wasn't whipped by Jews. I heard the preacher say that they gave Jesus, you know, 40 lashes minus one. But if you look on the shroud of Turin, there are over... 260 lashes on Jesus's back because the Romans had no care. They had no regard. I have no regard for your laws, Pharisee, said Pilate. They whipped and they whipped and they whipped. Past 39, past 40, they kept whipping. They kept whipping until he was broken. Jesus went through all of that. Then they nailed him to a cross and lifted him up to hang there until his life was expired from him. Jesus, his obedience on the cross when people were jeering, come down, save yourself. Jesus hung on that cross. Nobody displayed greater obedience than Jesus. Come out of agreement, out of alignment with the devil's lies that there are certain sins in your life that can't be forgiven. And I want you to come in faith into, into an alignment today to say, Jesus Christ, I align myself with you and I thank you that I am forgiven for all my sins. Psalm 103 says, says that, that he forgives all our iniquities, heals all our diseases redeems our life from destruction, crowns us with loving kindness. Let, 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 let God to, today break the power of sin. And you may be here and there may be generational sin. Jesus died to break the power of generational sin. For some of us, it's easy to understand that maybe God forgives, but I don't forgive. If you're more holy than God, then absolutely feel free not to forgive you if your standards are higher than His. Is God, God kind of compromised only having 10 commandments rather than 32? <laughs> but last time I checked, there isn't a human more holy than God. So if the most holy, just, righteous being in the universe has separated your sins from you as far as the East is from the West, if he has forgiven you and he remembers them no more, why do they plague you? Gomer could not reconcile forgiveness. And what did she do? She brought it out on the next generation. Whether you realize or not, it is impacting your family, it is impacting the dynamic of your marriage, and it is impacting your children. The second one, the second area that I want to minister into today is Lord Rahama, is I am unloved 
I am unloved. Why, 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 why she was loved? She, she, what love? She went back to her old life and he came and brought her back. And then when she left again, he hunted her down, pursued and brought her back again. Such great love. How can she, it wasn't about what was happening around her. It was what was happening within her. <laughs> if anybody has a relative, a mother, father, or if you yourself are part of the boomer generation, the World War II hero generation, they were the heroes. Many of them died and gave their, their blood, their lives on the battlefield. And then the heroes came home and we thought they came home alive. They did come home alive with a heartbeat and a pulse and breath. But many of them came home dead on the inside. They were dead on the inside because of the atrocities of war, the, the death, the evil, the carnage, the loss, the devastation. A, a switch was flicked on the inside of them where they, where they chose to cope. The only way they could cope is if they didn't feel, if they numbed it out. So we've heard over 30-something years of being pastors again and again, the children of boomers saying, we were never told. I love you. We were never held. We were never struggled. We ne there was no affection. But we knew daddy loved us because he provided us. We knew daddy loved us because he put us through college. We knew daddy loved us because we lacked for nothing. We just never heard the words, I love you. Da it's a PTSD. It's a trauma when we go through trauma. And there are many of us. Many of us, you don't have to go through World War II to find that there's something that is dead that Jesus wants to reawaken. Just like Goma felt a love lack, a love loss, because years in the past, the only way she could cope was to disconnect and was to go numb. Maybe you've been through a divorce. Maybe you've been through a betrayal. Maybe you were engaged, married, and, and your spouse cheated on you. And it was a knife through the heart. And the only way or the first way that you've chosen to cope is to numb the pain. If I just numb the pain, then I don't feel it. If I don't feel it, it doesn't torment me during the day. That's why Jesus says that he heals the brokenhearted. He doesn't say that he numbs the brokenhearted. He heals the brokenhearted. This is a house of healing. Maybe you've been in a business venture with somebody and they presented well. But then as soon as the money was introduced, greed was revealed and you were left with a bankruptcy and they ran off with the money. And now you're broken and feel like you've had to start again. I know people have lost their homes. They've lost their savings. They've lost everything. Cars repossessed the humiliation because they went into a business partnership with somebody that didn't disclose all of their debts and all of their... And, and most of those people say, I never want to step out again. It was, it's too painful. I want you to know that the house of God is the house of resurrections. It's the house of new starts. It's the house of new beginnings. It's the house of fresh ventures. If you will let God heal the pain of your past, past what you can do is God doesn't deny the pain. He heals the pain, but then he uses that pain to become a teacher. That pain then becomes an educator. Your discernment will be, wow, they're saying everything right, but not this time, devil. I, I recognize that's the same spirit. That's the same schmooze. That's the same flattery. That's the same, no, no, we're doing all of this right the second time. Launch out again, launch out again. Pete, Simon Peter's first encounter with Jesus was Jesus says, launch out, let down your nets for a catch. And Simon Peter says, Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. We spent a whole night laboring and, and, and empty nets. But there's something about your word will launch out again. For somebody here, the word of the Lord to you today is launch out again, launch out again, launch out again. But can I just tell you, God wants to reawaken. Maybe you're like Gomer, you're, you're numb, you're dead on the inside, dead to dreams, dead to hope, dead to faith. Maybe there were promises spoken over you, but the biology clock, the time clock is kicking on and it's just easier not to believe. It's easier just to retract. Can I just tell you, this is a resurrection house. This is a healing house. Let God revive that God is not a man that he should lie. His promises are yes or amen to all those who in Christ Jesus. And then the, the last one, lo ami. Lo ami means not my people. Not my people. Out of all three of those, Pastor Mark, I, I feel like the one that I battle with the most is that last one. 
Like I look at a Connor Mead and I think, my gosh, no wonder God loves Connor. Tall, handsome, good looking, on fire for God, right? I feel like, man, I've made all these mistakes. Because I live with me, I see all my blemishes, I see all my weaknesses, I see all my struggles, I see all my stupid thoughts. Stupid thoughts. Rick, stupid thoughts. I'm like, for a whole month, I'm not going to eat french fries. And I'm doing really good. And then we go out, and the guy says, oh, best special, best special. Burger with fries. Cooked in duck fat. And my flesh is going, you like duck fat. I didn't even know ducks had fat. Every duck I've seen is lean and ripped. I've never seen a fat duck. Why are you picking on fat ducks? Why, why are you... But apparently, and everyone's like, ooh. Uh, the next one I'm eating French fries. I'm like, what am I doing? I want to buy shirts like Connor has with the muscles here, but mine always have the, not sure what that is. My flesh makes the most stupid decisions. So I'll come to, I'll come to the house of God and, and I'll look at a, a Kevin Daddy and I'll think, oh, well, God can bless Kevin. I'll, I'll look at, and, and it's, it's amazing. I feel like, ah, if people knew these are not my people, these are holy people, these are right. I'm telling you, over 30 something years, Kate, Pastor Casey, that's the one that just, these are not your people. You're, break that spirit today. How many people know that? church is not a hotel for saints it's a hospital for sinners come on how many people know that how many people know that the greatest thing you can do is just keep turning up just keep showing up keep showing up and just stick it to the devil and say you know what these are my people these are my people let me just say this let me just say this there's a saying that if you want to soar with eagles you can't afford to hang out with turkeys if you want to soar with eagles you, you can't afford to hang out with turkeys so this is, what I, this is what I've discovered. God is calling you, Isaiah 40, 31, to renew your youth like the eagles. He's call, call, calls, calling you to soar with eagles. A few years ago, there was this thing in California called the law of attraction. The law of attraction. And the law of attraction was kind of like, you know, they, they took the Bible and they kind of removed any reference to God and they replaced God with the universe. And basically it just went like this, that the law of attraction works that, you know, if you just ask the universe, just ask the, and it has to be positive, can't be negative because, you know, while the universe is benevolent, it's just not intelligent, not, not smart. So you can't say, I don't want cancer because the universe is, did someone down there say cancer? No, no, I distinctly heard cancer. There you go, little buddy. Spread that to your, your family. Pass it on to your children. Now, see, apparently you couldn't, apparently you couldn't, you couldn't say, you couldn't, you have to ask for something positive. You have to ask. And so some meeting all these people and they're like the law of attraction, the law of attraction. And, and I'm like, it's a load of rubbish, you know, because the Bible says the lazy man desires and has nothing. The people ask, but they ask amiss, so they don't get what they ask for. So I'm like, and then one day in, in my prayer time, the Lord said to me, there really is a law of attraction, and it's all the way through the Bible, but it's not what these guys say. And I said, well, what is it? He says, in the, in the, the lie that they're perpetuating to make money, they're, they're, they're preaching a truth, but it's always a 90% truth. There's never 100% truth. There is a law of attraction, but the law of attraction works like this in the scripture, that you and I don't attract to us what we want. We attract to us what we are. We don't attract what we want, we attract what we are. So for example, Jacob, Jacob was named Yaakov, Jacob, heel grabber, supplanter, deceiver. You follow his life, everything he gets is from deceiving. He, he, he deceived his older brother out of his birthright, and then he took advantage of his blind daddy, clothes himself in Esau's clothing, puts on Esau's cologne, tries to disguise his voice, and steals the birthright from his brother. When Esau finds that he wants to kill him, so his mom says, I know, why don't you do what everyone else does? what everyone else does in, in the 21st century and just change your zip code. Go and move to another, go and move to a red state. So she sends him, she sends him to go and be with Uncle Laban. Surely it's a change of code, it's a change of, 
But a change of circumstances is not a change of heart. What's on the inside will soon be made manifest on the outside, to quote, twist it. So he ends up working for Laban, and, and Laban says, hey, you know, I've got to pay you something. He says, well, actually, Rachel, your daughter is very beautiful. I will work for her for seven years. In exchange, she's my wife. He's like, oh, done, deal, done, deal. Seven years for Rachel, done. But at the end of the seven years, he says, all right. He goes, what do I, what do, I do with Rachel's ugly sister, Leah? He says, Jacob, are you in the tent? I'm in the tent. I'm waiting for my wife. It's been seven years. Hurry up. He says, all right, all right, all right. Turn the lights out. Turn the lights out. No peeking. So Jacob turns the lights out. And then instead of getting Rachel, he grabs Leah. Like, what kind of a daddy? Honey, no, just trust me. No one else will want you. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. And then he pushes her in the... You can't blame... You can't blame seven years. You can't. You can't. He wakes up the next morning. Good morning, husband. He comes storming out. You deceived me. No, no, no. You attracted to you who you are. That's why when God meets him and he's asking God for a blessing, he's like, God, I want you to bless me. God says, I can't bless deceiving. I can't, you don't want me to multiply deception over your life. You're in chaos. What is your name? He says, my name is deception. My name is deceiver. He says, we have to change who you are. You are now Israel because you don't attract what you want. You attract who you are. So let me, when you are in Christ Jesus, if any man be, he is a new creation, all things pass away. Behold, all things become new. That's why church is greater than any motivational seminar. In a motivational seminar, they'll tell you to behave different. They'll, they'll, they'll tell you to modify your behavior. They'll tell you put in this action or apply this principle. But only Christianity changes your very core. It changes your heart. You are born again from the inside out. All of a sudden, you have a Christ nature on the inside of you. And so all of a sudden, you start attracting Christ things because you will attract to you who you are. That's why the greatest thing you can do is get into discipleship. If one of your pastors or one of your leaders says, hey man, I just see a ceiling here, or I see a dysfunction over here, don't, don't run from it. Run into it and say, man, I'm not proud of it. You know, someone once said to me, Jurgen, you've got pride. And if you say, I don't have pride, well, then you've got pride. And if you admit it, you've got pride. And so I didn't know how to answer, so I just said, you're right, but I'm not proud of it. That was a stupid joke. You don't attract what you want. You attract who you are. you got to be born again. When you're born again, I promise you, if you look at my life, when I was 18, I gave my life to Jesus. The trajectory changed. And I'm telling you, every time the Holy Spirit has come, He is so beautiful. He is your helper. He is your personal guide to navigate through the storms and the dark times in this life. And He comes and He will convict you. And most of the time I found that he convicts me through the mouth of somebody else because I found that all change requires humility. All change requires humility. So he will find the person that I least want to hear from in the room. And that's the person. I'm like, oh, dear. And then as I lean in and say, you know what? You're right. Would you pray with me over that? If you'll humble yourself, God will exalt you. He comes to deliver you. He's not punishing you for your past sins. Jesus was punished for your sins. He's coming to awaken that which is dead that can no longer love or no longer feels and receives love. He's come to awaken you so that you have life and life more abundantly, not less abundantly. You don't have to live with the scraps and the scars of yesterday. They may be scars, but you're going to be healed. You're going to be delivered. You're going to be feeling again. You're going to be stepping out again. You're going to be married again. You're going to be launching business again. Your greatest days are in front of you, not behind you. And then God wants to change the trajectory. These are your people. Your greatest days are in front of you. Come on, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to Christ, friend, today you need to surrender to Jesus.
Jesus. Coming to church is a good thing, but it is, it's not going to make you a Christian. I've been going to McDonald's for over 40 years. I'm still not Ronald McDonald. <laughs> going to church doesn't make you a Christian. Surrendering to Christ, saying to Jesus, Jesus, you died on the cross in my place to break the power of sin. Today, I want to give my life to you. I want to follow you. I want to surrender to your will over my life. Out of all the people to lead and guide my life, out of all the people to follow your end, I'm choosing you today. If that's you today, would you quickly lift your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I want to follow Jesus. I want to surrender to Jesus. I need forgiveness. Just lift your hand high so that I can see it. And once I see it, I'll pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you through there. Thank you up the back. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Who else is there? Would you raise your hand? Thank you in there. Thank you in there. Thank you in there. Thank you. Who else is there? Thank you up the back. I see that hand. Thank you. Thank you in there. Thank you in there. Thank you. Thank you, sir. I see that hand. Thank you. Is there anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Who else is there? Thank you. Anybody else? Just lift it high so that I can see it. I feel like there's still one more. Who is that one? Thank you. I see your hand. There's still somebody going. God, thank you. God's going after somebody. Who is that one? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Can we do this? Every single one of you that raised your hands, we're going to give you two gifts. We're going to give you a Bible, which is where the story I read from or acted out today came from. We're going to give you a following Jesus book, but we also love to do this. I'd love to pray for you because we want you to have a powerful as well as a personal encounter. So I'm actually going to jump down off this platform. I'm going to stand down here and I want you, it's kind of like a halfway point. I want you to just find the aisle nearest you and come and meet me. I want to shake your hand. I want to pray for you. If you brought someone that raised their hand, would you offer to walk with them? If you brought someone that needed to raise their hand, would you walk with them? If you raise your hand, you're sitting by yourself. Would you come and I'm going to stand with you. I'm going to show. Come on, church, let's put our hands together up the back and on the sides. Just begin to make your way. Come on, let's put our hands together. Let's celebrate as they come. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Come and stand over here. What's your name, sir? Nice to meet you. God bless you. I like you. Oh, I love that. Come on, come on. I like that. Yes, exactly. Yes, that's exactly right. I like you. Come and stand over here next to Heath, Heath, stay right here. Stay right here. Stay right here. Heath, stay right here. anyone for what? Days. Days. I'm proud of you, Nicholas. God's hands on you, Nicholas. You've got great parents. Come on. You're a good young man. I like you. I like that jacket. Nice to meet you, Jeff. That's a cool jacket. Look at you. What? Well, see, you're a smart man. God bless you. Nice to meet you, Lisa Ann. God bless you. I've got, we've got lots of people coming down. What's your name? 
work, work. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Can we give all these people a great round of applause? Hallelujah. Come on, stand to your feet. I want to pray over you and then I'm going to pray over them. Just lift your hands high to heaven. I'm going to pray point two and point three before we go into point one. Point two, God, God is showing where there are people here and, and that deadness, that thing that needs to be reawoken, reawoken. God will heal and deal. That's what He does. He heals and deals. Father, I pray for every broken heart. I pray for every person who has gone numb under broken promises, over betrayals, over broken vows, and they've made promises in their heart that they would never feel again or they would never venture out again, that they would never trust again. Father, we break that life is too short. Life is too short to live with that disability, to live with that handicap. God wants to bring healing into that area. He wants you to know that that even though there is pain in your past, that pain can become education for your tomorrow. Launch out again, launch out again, step out again, trust again, believe again. But this time, the Lord says you'll have greater discernment. You'll have greater wisdom. You've got greater life experience. Your best days are in front of you, not behind you. Father, I pray for those right now, Lord God, who feel that they don't fit in, that they're not qualified, that they're they're not good enough, they're not holy enough, they're not righteous enough. And the devil is relentless in saying, you don't fit in here. These are, go back to the lowest common denominator. Go back to the, don't you dare go back. You left the turkeys. It's time for you to soar with the eagles. It may be a little bit uncomfortable for a season, but that's because you're going places you've never been. Of course, it's not going to feel comfortable or familiar. You haven't been where God is about to take you. You haven't soared at those heights. You haven't experienced those updrafts, but God is taking you there. Now, the first one, all of you that came forward, can we all pray this prayer out loud? Let's say these words. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you today. You so love me that while I was a sinner, you came after me, hung on a cross to buy me from the devil. My debts are completely paid. My sins completely forgiven. I am a child of God. Heaven is my home. Today I am clean. I am forgiven. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already, and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about up and abounding events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformed by for now.